Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast that explores the feminine genius. Pregnancy after the loss of a baby, following miscarriage, stillbirth, or infant death is something that's often wrapped up in a lot of fear. Laura Fanucci writes, From a distance, I used to think of trying again or having another baby must be a happy, hopeful, healing part of parenthood. The truth is that pregnancy after loss is a whiplash of emotions. Every day, every week can feel like an uphill climb. The blissful innocence of preparing to welcome a baby has disappeared. Today on the podcast, Laura shares the spiritual side of pregnancy after the loss of her children to miscarriage and infant loss. No one says a word about the spiritual side of pregnancy after loss, and Laura is working beautifully to change that conversation. Join us today as we discuss five spiritual aspects of pregnancy after loss. If you're experiencing a pregnancy after the devastating loss of a child, or have a friend or relative going through this experience of not being as joyful as you expected them to be in their new pregnancy, we hope this podcast episode helps. Today's podcast is sponsored by Studio Headphones. Visit them online at studio.com and use the code Letters to Women, all caps, one word, to receive 15% off any purchase and enjoy their free worldwide shipping. We are welcoming to the show Laura Kelly Fanucci. She is a blogger over at Mothering Spirit, Everyday Parenting as a Spiritual Practice. She's an author as well. She's known for her book, Everyday Sacrament, The Messy Grace of Parenting. And she's just recently written a book with her husband that's due out in October, Grieving Together, A Couple's Journey Through Miscarriage. So Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for your ministry. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah. You wrote recently a blog post over on your blog about the spiritual side of pregnancy after loss. It was just incredibly beautiful. And that's what we're really going to dive into with today's podcast. But before we start into that, can you tell us a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman? Sure. Well, I am, I'm a cradle Catholic. So I come from big Irish Catholic family and, um, you know, went to Catholic school my whole life. I went to Notre Dame where I met my husband. And um, after I graduated, I decided that I wasn't really quite sure what I wanted to do with my life, as many (laughs) college graduates don't know. And I decided to actually go and take a year of um, service, and I worked with the Sisters of the Assumption in France for a year. I was a French major, so I actually did something with that degree. And um, (laughs) it was really during that year that I, I really felt like God was calling me in a way to ministry or to theology, and I felt like, you know, even though that's not what my degree was in, I really have to pay attention to this. So um, I just really feel like that was the year that kind of ruined me for Christ in the best way, and I came (laughs) back, and um, I ended up a couple years later, right after my husband and I got married, I um, went to graduate school for theology, so decided I wanted to get a degree in this, and so I got my Master's Divinity from St. John's School of Theology here in Minnesota. And I actually work now um, in theology, uh, still up at St. John's in Minnesota, on a project on vocation and calling. So um, we work on how to help people, you know, understand what God's call is in their everyday lives and how we can help churches and parishes to support people's call and really come to understand the Lord is calling them to. So it's really wonderful work, and it's really um, let me live out my faith in a really deep way. So, yeah, so I guess my... My story as a Catholic woman is sort of bound up in all of that, in my marriage, in my family, and like you said, I'm a writer and an author, so um, everything I write about, you know, really does have to do with faith and spirituality, and um, so yeah, I've just been really blessed to be able to do a lot of that and integrate my life and my work with my faith. That's beautiful. I love your your mission with vocations, too, like being able to support men and women who are discerning Jesus' call, like just having a support team around you, especially in a parish, holy smokes, that can make such a difference. Yeah. Such a Absolutely, difference. yeah. 
that's beautiful so digging into a little bit about your marriage and your motherhood you lost a, a sweet little baby to miscarriage and then you also went through just the cross of experiencing infant loss with the death of your twin daughters margaret and abigail so how did you and your husband go about discerning having littles after that loss that's just devastating yeah it really was so we had um we had two little boys before we had our miscarriage um so you know already even in the early years of our marriage we went through a couple years of infertility before we could even have kids so you know what what we kind of thought would just be this easy road to parenthood right i mean we shared a faith and we wanted a family and like this was all going to be easy actually ended up being a lot harder than um we ever expected so you know all along i felt like we just had such a sense of what an amazing blessing children were and how could just never be something we would take for granted after we waited years to have a child. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, we went through a miscarriage and we miscarried our third child um, early in the first trimester. And and that was just shocking. You know, we felt like, at least I felt like, hadn't we, you know, front loaded all our suffering on the infertility side? Like, come on, God, didn't we go through this already? Like, now that we can have babies, can't we just do this? And Mm -hmm. So it really was, um, it was such a hard suffering. I mean, not just physically, which I never knew that miscarriage could be so painful and hard, but also just emotionally and spiritually, it just kind of rips away all your illusions that even if you can get pregnant, that you'll be able to, you know, keep your child and raise that child. It's just nothing feels certain anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, We were able to go on after miscarriage to have another baby which was you know amazing and felt like such a huge blessing but that whole pregnancy I felt like I was just holding my breath you know waiting for the other shoe to drop and so you know when when our third son Joseph was born and I held him in my arms it just felt like oh god what a huge gift this was to have a baby that you know (laughs) came all the way through that long pregnancy of anxiety and worry and and to be here in my arms was just huge you know mm-hmm. um but yeah like you said just in um 2016 we after joseph was born um <laughs> the next time we <laughs> learned we were pregnant we found out we were having twins which was really shocking and um absolutely nothing that we had ever expected but you know after all we'd been through by then with infertility and miscarriage it was like okay if we're gonna rally and this is what you're giving us god we're just gonna we're going to try to figure out how we'll make this work. Um, but sadly, they ended up developing a really rare complication of identical twins where um, one twin gets too much blood and one doesn't get enough blood when they share a placenta as our girls did. Mm-hmm. So um, they ended up developing this what's called twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. And oftentimes, even though it is a really serious complication, it can actually um, be really easily fixed by a surgery in utero and so even when we knew that this complication had progressed to the point that I needed surgery there was still a lot of hope that you know the girls were going to be fine we could go through and have you know a healthy full-term pregnancy but um, there were complications during the surgery which I had when the girls were only 24 weeks gestation Um, yeah so they ended up having to be delivered by c-section right Mm -hmm. that same day that I had the surgery and they were just so sick by that point you know the the imbalance of blood had just gone so far that they were really too sick to survive even though you know there are babies that we know that do survive from being born that early so um yeah maggie lived one day and abby lived two days and 
you know, to go through that experience of instant loss and to hold these babies, you know, as they died, as they went home to God was just like so overwhelming. I mean, it was just the suffering. I thought, how could, how could God ask this of us? You know, how could, how could this ever be something that God would let happen? Um, but we also experienced this really profound grace when we were holding Abby, our second daughter, as she was dying, just this intense joy of all things in the midst of this awful grief, this awful suffering that her death was bringing to us. You know, God bless us with this just incredible sense of, you know, grace and God's presence and joy and the, the transformation that that did to us in addition to this experience of losing our twins, you know, all of that has just really, it really has changed our lives. And I think it's taught us so profoundly that, you know, anytime we're open to life, we're open to loss. Like there's nothing we can do to prevent that. You know, we have no control, which is so hard. And, and yet I think there's this beautiful reminder that God is present with us through it all, you know, and I can look back and even in those hardest moments of like infertility, miscarriage, infant loss, I still have this profound sense of God being there with us. Even in the darkest times, maybe when in the moment I couldn't see God or feel his presence, I can now look back and say, actually, God was just profoundly there with us. So I think, you know, that is ultimately one of these legacies that Maggie and Abby gave to me as their mother is just to sense that this deep faith that God really is with us and remains with us, even in all of that suffering. That is beautiful. There's this quote from C.S. Lewis that always like stories like this remind me of where it talks about how, you know, when you have a heart that suffers, there's two choices. Like you can either open your heart up to suffering and love, or you can close your heart off and experience this just like deep sadness because your heart is unbreakable. Like it's, it's so closed off to love and sorrow and they just are so intertwined that it hurts it hurts so much but to open your heart up to love is to open your heart up to suffering yeah you put that so well that's beautiful As, yeah absolutely and i think i don't know i ironically and we didn't even tell people this till probably months if not a year later like even right there in the hospital when i was still recovering from the c-section even after the girls had died like we had a conversation then in the hospital my husband and i did about wanting to have another baby someday. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I get so sick during my pregnancies. I have really hard pregnancies. And I remember, especially in that twin pregnancy, I was like, this is it. We can never have any more kids. I can't do this anymore. This is too much. And and I do think it's amazing that even in the, that, that such intense sorrow and knowing full well that like the only way I could ever prevent myself from feeling that kind of grief and suffering again would be to never have another child, you know, to never put myself through that. But I knew even in that hospital room that I knew that God would still be calling us to be open to life and open to love like that. And so I think, you know, obviously the bigger discernment after that was like when and how, because it was such a devastating grief, you know, truthfully, it, it was harder than even going on to try again after miscarriage because it just felt like, wow, we went through this whole pregnancy and birth. And then even then there were no guarantees that our baby would live. But, um, and also the fact that I had a C-section, you know, you you have to wait for a while. So we really had to not only 
because of where we were spiritually and emotionally, but also like physically, we had to wait a, a long time before we could even try to conceive again, just for my own yeah. health. So I feel like, you know, we really had to pray a lot. We had to communicate and have so much conversation. I mean, I think that's one of the fruits of, of using natural family planning is like, you have to have these conversations all the time. And so right. we were kind of every month talking about that, like where we were and, feeling like, you know, it, it probably wasn't a healthy time for us yet. But I'll, I'll always remember that um, we went to a support group for parents who had lost babies. And, and the nurse that ran that support group said something at one of the sessions that really struck me when we were talking about, you know, when would you know that you were ready to try again for another baby? And she said, you know, you'll never be past the anxiety or the fear. You know, you'll always have that with you. But when you're ready to love a new person again, like when you're ready to love someone new, then that's the time that you're emotionally ready mm-hmm. to, to try again. And that really struck me like, yeah, once we were physically ready and then emotionally ready to say, yeah, we can fully give ourselves to loving and parenting another baby, no matter how long that child would be with us. Like mm-hmm. that's when I knew we were in a place where we could, where God was really leading us to think about that again. I love I love NFP and how much of a conversation that makes that discernment between you and your spouse and God. Yeah, it's a monthly conversation. It, it would be easy to to not communicate or to draw into fear, especially after that much loss, but how much NFP encourages conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes people think, oh, well, you can't use NFP if it's like, you know, if there's medical reasons, you know, that that would be so dire. And I just think, no, we, we had that. And in yeah. our situation, like it just works the same way NFP has worked in our marriage the whole time, you know? So yeah. I think it really was this beautiful reminder of, you know, the fruits of, of that way of being in our marriage and being able to talk and pray about it all the time. Like, I just, I can't imagine having gone through that without NFP, to be mm-hmm. honest. When you're talking about the classes that you went to afterward, there's a lot of, of really good resources out there when it comes to pregnancy after loss. And most of them center around like the physical, the emotional process of that journey, like you've mentioned. But there aren't a lot of resources besides the blog that you wrote that is absolutely beautiful that talk about the spiritual side of getting pregnant after a loss of an infant or a miscarriage. Why do you think that is? Why do you think there's that gap? And why do you think it's a fact that should change? We should focus on the spiritual side of pregnancy after loss. Absolutely. Yeah, actually, in this book um, that my husband and I just finished writing, Grieving Together, we actually put a big section about pregnancy after loss towards the end of the book because, yeah, just like you said, I felt like there were so few resources um, that said anything about the, the faith aspect, the spiritual side of pregnancy after loss. And I think it does raise so many huge faith questions, you know, about trusting God, about you know, trying to understand God's role in our lives and suffering. And, you know, it's such a good question. I've actually, this is the question of yours I've been thinking about the most because I do wonder why there aren't more resources um, about the spiritual side of pregnancy after loss. I think one reason is, I mean, people don't like to think about suffering and they don't like to think about the shadow side of things, Mm -hmm. right? So even people of faith, like, love a good happy ending. And so a pregnancy after loss, we think, oh, it's so great. They're going to have another baby. It's all going to be okay. Like, that's going to make everything better. You know, they're going to be better now. They'll be over it, right? Mm -hmm. But actually, when you've gone through something like this or you've journeyed with someone who has, 
you know, you realize that a pregnancy after loss is far from tying something up with a tidy bow. Right. Um, I think it entails a lot of tension and doubt, and every single day of that pregnancy is just a roller coaster of emotion, like mm-hmm. not just this happy ending. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to be willing to sit in the tension and the unknown and, um, you know, it is kind of a gray space. It's not like black and white. And sometimes as people of faith, we really want certainty. You know, yeah. we just want yeah. it to be good or bad. And so we just want to call this all good and be all in on it. But um, I think that, you know, in those tests and those times of doubt, actually that's really where our faith and our trust can be deepened as hard as it is. So I think actually it can be a place where we come to know more of God. And that's why I really think these questions of, you know, the spiritual side of pregnancy after loss are so important for us to explore. And to be honest, I think, you know, probably in our church, we haven't really grappled that much with like how closely suffering is tied to our own bodies. You know, it's ironic because I think in, in the Catholic tradition, we have such a rich understanding of you know, the incarnation and the real presence and Christ's body and the Eucharist, all of that is so rich. But I think sometimes it doesn't necessarily translate to say, like, what are the traumas that actually can happen to our bodies? And and how is that actually a site of where these spiritual questions, you know, take place and take hold of us? And I think right now it's actually kind of beautiful that, like, psychology and other disciplines are are coming to understand how we hold these emotions and this trauma in the body. And I think there will be a place, I hope in the future for there to be more conversations, especially with such an embodied incarnational faith, like the Catholic faith is to say, you know what? Yes. Like God works in and through our bodies. And, and we just have to talk about even those parts of our bodies, you know, those sources of suffering that can be hard to talk about, things like infertility and miscarriage, you know, all of that has to do with the bodies that God gave us and God created us to have. So how can those not be separate from our faith? Not like our spiritual side is just kind of this disembodied experience where we meet with God, but really that like God loves our bodies and made our bodies and, and this is where we experience our faith. I think all of that, I hope, will be conversations that we start to have more and more. We are taking a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor, Studio Headphones. I edited this episode while wearing their Regent headphones, which are their premium on-the-ear model with beautiful tone clarity and a really well-balanced sound. I love the fact that these headphones have over 24 hours of active battery life, so they are perfect for my on-the-go lifestyle. Studio wants to revolutionize the way that people see headphones and not just as a tech device, but also as an accessory. Right now, the headphones market really offers you one of two things, style or tech. Fashionable headphones tend to lack the proper sound quality and high-tech variations are really bulky and they're not design-oriented. Studio wants to bridge that gap. Go to studio.com and use the code letters to women, all caps, one word, to receive 15% off and enjoy their free shipping worldwide. Talking about like a relationship with God, a spiritual side to pregnancy, when it comes to a pregnancy after loss, or even in the midst of the loss itself, talking a lot about miscarriage, there can be this feeling of experiencing like God's betrayed me. Like you mentioned, and this is your, your story, like, Lord, how much more are you going to ask of me? Like, how much more of a weight are you going to put on my shoulders? How do you th- how do you face that feeling of pregnancy after a loss? Especially when you've mentioned this before too, how pregnancy after loss, you know, there's no guarantees. It's like, there's, there's not an innocence. You, you're very aware of what can happen. Absolutely. I felt this so much, you know, in the pregnancy I had after miscarriage, I felt like 
what I had assumed was just sort of you, boom, there, the pregnancy, you know, test is positive, and this means, of course, I'm going to have a baby nine months from now, right? Like, this is what happened two times before, so of course this will happen, right? right? But in that pregnancy after miscarriage, I really, I realized that what I was experiencing was this acute awareness of what all of life actually entails. Like the fact that there are no guarantees is the one certain thing in life, right? right? But <laughs> of course we don't want to think about that. No. Like that's really that's challenging. And, and if we really thought all the way about what that entails, it'd be hard to just get out of bed in the morning, Amen. you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I felt like um, really pregnancy after loss does call us to see that even though there aren't any guarantees, what we have is right here and now in the present. And I think that pregnancy taught me that, you know, just working on becoming aware of God's presence in the moment and trying to trust God and and just pray through each moment, each worry. You know, I, I just think it, it, trust, it, it made me realize the depth of what that means, that God is really present with us at all times, and that that was really all I had. And all I had outside of pregnancy, too, but, but that it just brought that to such a heightened awareness. Um, I think ultimately, you know, going through pregnancy after loss, now that I have done that several times, it has just deepened my empathy for other couples and other women that go through this. And I think wherever we can grow in compassion, I just think there's more of God there, too, you know? So yeah. even though it seems like, so much of that, you know, innocence is ripped away and you think, what's left? I think actually what's left is this beautiful compassion for others where God is really inviting us to stretch our hearts and say, you know, all that we can do is try to love and understand each other well and bring each other to a greater awareness of God. And so I felt like in some ways that was really what pregnancy after loss was was trying to help me do as well, to deepen that empathy and to open my life up to what God was asking of me. That's beautiful. I remember sitting down with a friend of mine who is a mom to a baby in heaven and two babies here on earth and sitting down with her after our miscarriage and thinking like, how do you do this? Like, how do you trust God with your littles even after a healthy pregnancy and a healthy delivery? And what she said is is something that you've, yeah, echoed here is that like, you don't, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to my littles, even if they're out, you know, even if they had a great pregnancy and a healthy delivery, like there's no guarantees. And that's not something that's like it's not something that's detrimental or, or awful. It's just something that encourages you to be present in every moment and, and recognize that every moment is a gift. And if we're constantly thinking like, oh, what could be next? Then we're going to miss out on that on that present moment that we've been given, whether it's in a, in a pregnancy or in a childhood or, or it, you know, any different stage of life, just being present in that moment. Absolutely. I think that was, that was something I hadn't realized too, was that going through loss actually changed my parenting too. I think I thought that it would just be a matter of, you know, getting through that pregnancy and then, whew, like everything was going to be okay, right? And then I just go back and do this parenting thing the same way. And no, I've realized like, I mean, yes, in some ways it has heightened my anxiety about, you know, after having lost children, of course I am, you know, just terrified that that would ever happen again. But I also know there are no guarantees. This is such a beautiful gift to have, you know, this moment here and now with them. And I think that, in many ways, if we could help couples to see that actually your parenting after miscarriage or infertility or, or infant loss, your parenting will be different too. You will have challenges that 
other people, you know, won't see as hard. You know, other people can make jokes about like, oh, I kept the kids alive today, and then that was great. And you think, oh my gosh, that's not even something to joke about. Right, you know, that hits too close to home. Mom yeah. circle. So I think, yeah, there's always, um, you will have just a different experience as a parent because you've gone through this. But I don't necessarily think that that has to be all bad or make it harder. I think in some ways you just savor the gift of it in a way that other people, you know, they might never see the fullness of that just because of what you have been through and what you've suffered. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. When you know the worst way that a pregnancy can end or the way that you, you hope that it doesn't end, that can leave you tempted to despair, especially after after a loss and, and then getting pregnant again, because like you talked about, like that loss of innocence, how did you and how can other moms who are listening combat that feeling that, like you said, like you're always waiting for the next shoe to drop, like this is going to be, you know, that anxiety? Yeah, I think what I came to think about in my pregnancy, this this last pregnancy I had after the twins um, had died, we just had a little boy. Um, he's going to be 11 months old this weekend. And oh. so when I was pregnant with our little Benjamin, kind of the prayer that kept me going through it was just to think each day, all I have to do is get one step beyond fear. Like I don't have to get 10 steps beyond it. I don't have to go running down the road. I just have to get one step beyond my fear that something is going to go horribly wrong again. And then once I make it to the other side of fear, then I can just be fully present with God. I'm not holding back. So every day I would just, I would really picture it, like just trying to take one step beyond where I was. And that was the work of each day. And and knowing that tomorrow I was going to have to do it again and take one step beyond fear. But that felt manageable. It didn't feel like I had to get to a place of perfect acceptance or trust or peace. None of that was going to be possible. But every day I could get one step beyond fear with God's help. And I also think in pregnancy after loss, and this same nurse that helped us in the support group gave me this advice too, that actually in pregnancy after loss, one of your biggest challenges can actually be bonding with your baby. Because even though you want this child so much, and this is what you've been praying for all along, actually sometimes we're so scared to love that we don't even let ourselves fully bond with our baby in the way that we would have in an easy, anxiety-free pregnancy. So I think, you know... In this last pregnancy, I was really deliberate about even, like, talking to the baby, praying with the baby, like, doing things like that that were really simple, and I might have thought were silly and unnecessary before, but I realized I really needed to bond with this baby right now. No matter what happened, I wanted to know that I had lived my time with that baby to the fullest. So, like, even getting up the courage to buy baby stuff, which I couldn't even do until week 36 because I was so scared that something was going to happen to this baby. But all of those little steps were just ways that I really had to work on bonding with that sweet baby before I even met him just because, you know, I needed to get that one step beyond fear to be able to love him. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. When you're looking at other people's pregnancies, especially for instance, for like for my story right now, we've lost a baby we haven't gotten pregnant with baby number two, but I'm in the stage of life where a lot of women in my life are are experiencing their pregnancies, whether it's their first or their second. And it's so beautiful to watch them go through that. But there's also this like hint of jealousy that I really have to keep an eye on where it's like, oh, I wish I had that innocence or I wish I could just joyfully go to a baby shower and, and realize like, oh, this is this is so great. So when it comes to that, A, how do we, especially as women who've experienced loss, rejoice with those who are rejoicing when we're seeing them go through this pregnancy? And then how do we work through this question of like, why me, Lord? Like, why not, why me? Like, why, why did I get picked for this, this story? Oh, absolutely. This is so hard. And honestly, even though I have living kids and I have been 
blessed with these children. Like, I still find it really hard not yeah. to be jealous and envious of other women because I just will see a pregnant woman and I'll think, it's probably easy for you. You right. probably haven't gone through what I have. And I just wish I could be in that innocent place, you know, having gone through all this. So it is, I find it ironic. Like, how can I still be envious of other women? But honestly, if I'm being honest, I am. And I think I have to remember, like, God does give us different callings. And my calling is not someone else's. And my story isn't someone else's. I mean, right. for one thing, I think you can never see the full story that of someone else's so family. True. And I have been honored to hold so many family stories now just because of how much I've written about this. And so right. many people share their stories with me. And I realize that, honestly, I think there are more families out there that don't look the way the parents expected than the opposite that we sometimes idolize, yep. right? I oh, think yeah. there's so That's much so true. loss that people don't even talk about. And so I, I try to hold that, you know, in my heart, too, when I'm feeling those those feelings of jealousy or emotion. But I do think, you know, certainly we are called to rejoice and to support new moms. And that's such a beautiful place to be. But I also think, you know, there's something to be said for mothering your own heart, too. Yes. And I do think that God calls us to care for ourselves, especially as we want to, you know, our, our bodies will hopefully be a place where we can care for our children, right? Where mm -hmm. baby would be able to grow in our womb. And I think to be able to care for ourselves and mother our own heart, sometimes it's okay to say, you know what, I can't go to that baby shower. I just can't do it. And yeah. you can love your friend from a distance and you can send a gift and you can get together with her down the road. But, you know, putting yourself through that can be so difficult that I think sometimes it's fine to choose a quieter, more peaceful choice that will just allow you to mother your own heart and, and your own soul a little bit. I think that that that's fine too. I don't think we necessarily have to jump all in on, on acting like everything's okay. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. That doesn't do anyone um, any good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And then I also think, I mean, there, this is such a big question of like, why did God let this happen to me and not my friend? Or why did, you know, why is my baby in heaven now? And there are teenage girls throwing away this gift every day. Like, right. why God, why does this have to be like this? And I think it's, these are the biggest mysteries of our faith. Yeah. I mean, I think these questions just bring everything to the fore. So I don't think we should ever shove aside these questions and think these are unimportant because, I mean, the question of, like, how could God let this happen is one of the biggest questions that Christians have been wrestling with for centuries, right? right? I mean, how is there death and evil and suffering? Why would you make the world this way, God? And right. You know, when I turned to theology, because that's my way, that's my training, I think I really, I found a lot of comfort in this, this idea that, so there's God's perfect will, right, that was God's original plan for creation, you know, just this loving, beautiful plan that God set forth at the dawn of creation. And then, of course, you know, since God gave us free will, sin entered the picture, and with sin came suffering, we know that. Right. But I think this idea that there's also God's permissive will. That, that God does allow things to happen that weren't in his original perfect plan. We don't know fully what that means, that God does allow things like suffering and death to happen. But I think we have to, to also realize that God's permissive will also means that God can bring good out of suffering. Right. And if we believe that Christ conquered death, then even the death of our beloved babies is not the end. Like, 
eternal life means these babies are living. Mm-hmm. We don't know what that means, where, how. I mean, it's just it's a mystery of faith. But to say that we believe in eternal life means somewhere, somehow, your baby and my babies are living, and that's that's incredible. You know, to remember that, and Scripture tells us this so often. Death. Death was not part of God's original plan. You know, right. it says in Scripture that God does not desire the death of His beloved creatures. Mm-hmm. And so to think about how Jesus wept when He saw His friends grieving for Lazarus, to know that God mourns with us, and God did not want the death of these babies. But for mysterious reasons that we don't yet understand, this is what was allowed to happen, and yet God is still at work to bring good out of suffering. So I think... You know, sometimes asking the questions of why did this happen, I find that I don't, I don't get, I don't get somewhere with those questions. Why, why, why? Yep. But if I, if I turn to how and I say, God, how can I let my love for my child continue to transform my life and my faith? How can I grow through the suffering into new life? I find that there, I feel this real presence of the Holy Spirit, like calling me to growth and to see how this love and that child's life will continue to bear fruit even after death. Yeah, yeah, that is so true. I remember after losing Marion back last March, there was such a transformation in my prayer life when I was able to change from asking God, like, why did you take him? And instead, Lord, like, thank you for taking him in. Because what a hopeless, Mm. like, sad experience it would be to lose our babies and then to think like that's it we're never going to see them they're not going to be they don't play a part in our life but how beautiful like redemptive suffering that's just been a theme through our conversation like there is a beauty in suffering how there is such a hope in knowing that when we like there's such a great incentive for heaven like i cannot wait to hold our little and how like like they're waiting for us like they're they want us up there with them and that is such a hope filled thought or and prayer and reality after a loss yeah, absolutely. I could not agree more. I think that's so beautiful. And to remember, they are praying for us. Right. And we can, you know, ask for their prayers at any time. I think it's just the communion of saints is like so real and palpable and so important for us and them. It's just, it's all united in God. And it's, mm-hmm. just, it's incredible. That's so beautiful. Yeah, it's so true. For couples, this has been something for my story is the reality of a fear, like a fear that this will happen again or fear that I'm not going to be able to go through this again. If, if Jesus is calling out in another little home, it can like define a pregnancy. It can define the discernment up to another pregnancy. So how can couples, especially like working together, break free from a fear that just surrounds our lives and learn to, to love a new little courageously or learn to, to be open to that life again, if, if God's calling us to that discernment process? Absolutely. I think one thing to remember is that Spouses really do navigate pregnancy after loss differently. And I didn't understand that really going through it. But now having written this book and listened to so many couple stories that are even included in this book, I see how, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean the wife is going to experience this way and the husband will experience it the other way. But oftentimes within a marriage, you know, one spouse might be all gung-ho excited, pregnancy after loss, like this is going to be great. I'm 100% on board. This is going to be awesome. The other is is hesitant, is scared, is still full of fear. Right. Um, so I think there's a real call to you know, compassion for our spouse, to really yeah. communicate around these questions. It's just, you know, we're not always going to be in the same place at the same time about everything. And right. to remember that is really helpful. And I think, too, to remember, you know, we've been talking about how we don't have control over our lives, but the one thing we do have control over is how we respond to what happens. 
So, you know, some ways just thinking, you know, I don't have, I'm not able to control the outcome of anything that happens to me, but I can control how I respond, can at least make us feel like we have a little agency in that and that we do have, you know, we can control how we feel or how we speak or how we pray about um, our our experiences in pregnancy after loss. I think that um, there's also some really beautiful resources from the church that we tried to gather in our book too. Like there's some, there's beautiful scripture I think that can help us work through our fear and, and, and really focus on trusting with God. And I think there's beautiful saints too. Like I'm just reading the letters of, St. Daly and, and Lewis Martin, and yes. I just love, I mean, they went through so much loss in their family. They lost four babies, and, you know, they had five girls, one of whom was St. Therese, so bless that whole holy family, yeah. but they really went through so much, both of them, in struggling and suffering deeply through those losses, and, and the way that they wrote about their experiences to their friends, I mean, the way they, they shared about it with each other, is just amazing, so I think to know that even in the history and the tradition of our church, there's just beautiful resources for us as husbands and wives to turn to mm-hmm. is awesome. Yeah. And there's even like, there's a whole rite of blessing for a child in the womb. And there's a, there's an official blessing for um, parents before childbirth. So even, you know, to ask your priest to do one of those blessings for you, there's just beautiful ways that the church really does have resources that we can turn to in pregnancy after loss. All of that, I think, is hugely important, and I wish I would have known about it much earlier, to be honest. Right. Yeah, because it can feel so isolating, or you can feel like you're the only one going through these emotions in a pregnancy, and to know that, A, you're not alone, and B, someone's gone through it before, and they want to help you out through it. Like The community of saints, like, gosh, that's so real, and how, yeah, you don't have to go at it alone. There's so much grace available through the church, and, and she really wants to rally around you and knows that this is hard. So, yeah, just the reality of knowing that you're not by yourself through this is so comforting. Yeah, Absolutely. So we've talked about your blog. We've talked about some books just to, for listeners, just to have it in one, one spot. You've, you finished writing a book with your husband on miscarriage. Where can listeners find out more information about the book? It's not released yet. It's coming out. And then where can they find you online? Sure. So I write at motheringspirit.com. And then I'm on Facebook at Mothering Spirit as well. And on Instagram, my handle there is this messy grace. Oh, I love Instagram. I'm on there too. Um, <laughs> And then I also have a newsletter that I put out from my um, website about once a month, and I have all kinds of different resources that I love to share, things I'm reading or um, book giveaways, stuff like that, so people can sign up for that on my website. And I also write, um, actually write a column that's in a lot of diocesan newspapers. It's through the Catholic News Service, so sometimes I actually just got done writing a couple columns for Fathers and Mother's Day that that talked about loss, because I think, again, sometimes just remembering that once you've gone through a loss, especially if you don't have other living children, those can be such hard holidays to go through. And I think there's really a call for us as a church to pray for each other and support each other through that. So I just try to give a voice to all of that in my writing, because I think I've just heard so many stories of, you know, how big this is in, in couples' faith lives to go through this kind of loss and life after loss together. That's beautiful. Yeah, I love the blog. I love, yeah, looking forward to the book. That'll be so good to see that come out through our Sunday visitor, hopefully this fall. Fingers crossed. That's so beautiful. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, this is the last question I ask Ask a, a guest on this on the podcast. It's one of my favorites. How do you live out the feminine genius in your ordinary daily life as a mom to both little people here on earth and little people waiting for you up in heaven? I love this question. This is so beautiful. And I think this question made me think about 
in some ways, this is our call to kind of relax into the woman that God made us to be, you know, sometimes we get all wound up in trying to be everything to everybody. Um, but actually like God has given us enough and just the way that, that he's created us is, is exactly who we're called to be. I mean, I think about like my ordinary daily life is full of being at home with my kids. I work from home. So my days are just full of, you know, kids and work and I do a lot of writing on the side and, you know, to be here with my husband, all of that. It just sort of makes me realize that, Annie Dillard has this great line about the way we spend our days is the way we spend our life. And I think um, to realize that sometimes we're living out our faith, our feminine genius, however we want to call that in really ordinary ways, but that God is so present there and that, you know, we, we are really united in prayer to, to all these other women in the world doing this kind of work and to all these beautiful saints and souls in heaven that are praying with us. I just feel like, you know, in, in the best of times there, you do get a sense that you aren't alone and, you know, all those friends above and friends here who are praying us through all of it. It's just a real beauty of unity that our faith gives us. So oh, that's awesome. Laura, thank yeah. you so much for just the way you honor your littles up in heaven, the way that you just make their memory so present to hear, hear to us. And thank you for your ministry, for your vulnerability, just how authentic you are. It was beautiful to talk with you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, you are so welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend. If you have a spare minute, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes so more listeners can find this resource. Check out the show notes at oldfashionedgirlblog.com where you'll find all the articles and resources mentioned in this show as well as news about Laura's new book on the experiencing miscarriage with your spouse. And that's all I have for today. So until next time that we chat, be not afraid. Be not afraid.